I'm Mary Sue. I'm a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater sugar addict. Um, my compulsive overeating really started in when I was an adolescent. Um, I don't remember really in my childhood of preteen uh, before having any sort of um, food issues. Um, what I do remember is when I got in junior high, it seemed that my stress level changed in my household and um, I would turn to food. That was also the first time I'd been around uh, vending machines at school. I was at a new school and we had, um, when we had recess or break, um, or lunch, we, we had access to um, vending machines. And that was something I started adding into my day was getting a snack. And um, I can remember as I went through um, those junior high years and on into high school, um, I do, my mother became very vocal about how I looked. Um, I had kind of gotten my growth early. And I realize now what was really about being about 20 pounds overweight. I mean, yeah, I wasn't as thin as a lot of the girls my age, but I certainly wasn't as bad as my mother made it sound to me. And um, she was quite vocal and quite critical. And so you know, I basically um, didn't have high self-esteem. You know, I felt like I was the family project um, to make me look good. And, um, you know, my job was kind of to get up and, and make myself very presentable, you know, put on my makeup, uh, get dressed and, you know, always be neat and kind of pressed and proper. Okay. Um, when I was 14, my mother said to me one day, and I, I really think she was trying to encourage me to lose weight, but she said, nobody will want to date you because you're fat. Guys don't like a girl with fat ass. And that really just went to my core. Um, she was rather gifted at, at having no filter between her brain and her mouth. Um, I later came to know that my mother was bipolar type two, which means that she had the rage. Um, she could be the most kind, sweet, loving, fun woman, would do anything for her children. Um, all my friends loved her, but boy, when you went home with her, that was a different story. And just like our disease, um, that disease is also progressive. To kind of make things even a little more interesting, um, my father was a physician and my mother was a registered nurse. Um, and my father had actually done psychiatry at the end of World War II at the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda. 
So, you know, in the in the sixties and the seventies, it just wasn't the thing to do to go to a psychiatrist. Um, my hometown didn't even have a psychiatrist, and you know, really after really doing extensive fourth step, really digging deep work, I have really come to see my mother as the truly mentally ill person that she was. And I have a lot of compassion for her. Um, I can only imagine how sad and how haunting it must be to just act out and not know why you do something. Wonder if you're crazy. You think your husband would say something if you were. He's too afraid to say something because he doesn't want to get his head bitten off and handed to him. And it was kind of a vicious cycle. So it was a, a suffering in silence. And that is part of my recovery is to be able to deal with that. As I progressed on through um, high school and, you know, started driving, I had a little more independence. So, you know, I could go to uh, 7-Eleven and get candy bars or get whatever I wanted. And my thing was always two of everything. So if I stopped and got something, a snack, it was two, you know, one package wasn't enough. Uh, one serving wasn't enough. I had to get two. I was always a, a twofer. Um, my idea of breakfast was two breakfast sandwiches, you know, whatever. I was doubling everything I did. And I didn't realize that I was compulsively eating. I mean, I had no awareness of that at all. Um, I, I can vividly remember being, you know, feeling like I had anxiety up to my neck and wanting to eat and having it calm me down, but I, I didn't have any connection of it. And I certainly didn't know what it was. Um, I went on to college graduated from high school, went on to college. Um, and of course, you know, I would choose a career path that really required you to be thin. I wanted to be a dancer. So everything I did, I was setting myself up for, you know, you're not good enough. You'll never make the cut. You don't, you know, there is no way that I could be tall. I'm five, three and a quarter. There is no way that I could be five foot eight and weigh 105 pounds. I just couldn't do it or 115. You know, I couldn't make myself do that. So um, as it ended up, I um, developed, uh, I injured my knee and had to stop dancing immediately. So here I am in my senior year and I have um, a degree plan that I can't finish. So the school, um, cobbles together a degree plan. They decide to, uh, since I was doing, uh, music and dance together that they would throw in theater because at that time in, in 1980, there weren't, um, uh, any liberal arts schools that they had researched that offered that degree plan. So then they got real excited and then decided they would you know, get me graduated, then they'd really go back to the drawing board. And um, that degree is still there to this day. But I can tell you, when I graduated, I felt very low, 
I didn't have good self-esteem. Um, I felt like a failure and I ate over that. Um, consequently, my weight did go up. You know, I mean, I went from being 20 pounds overweight to 40 pounds overweight to 60 pounds overweight. And, you know, I was eating in secret. I was, I would never binge in front of anybody, but I would binge quietly alone. Um, I have gotten a bag of chips, eaten part, in, part of it, folded it down, put two, um, paper clips on it, gone and put it in the trash in the hallway in the dorm, only an hour later to go get it out of the trash. You know, I, <laughs> yes, I've eaten out of the trash, but I, um, I purposely made it to where I could go retrieve it. Um, did all sorts of crazy things. Um, went on every kind of fad diet I could think of. Didn't eat after three o'clock. Um, you know, skip breakfast, did what, whatever. You know, the Olympic ski team diet, which, you know, basically was an egg diet. I mean, just anything that was nuts, any diet that came along, I tried it. And of course, I had very limited success. And it wasn't until I had graduated from college and moved to Dallas and gone to work as a manicurist um, in a hair salon that a lady came in and I, I was, would do her nails and we would visit and then one day I, she said something about the Dallas Ballet and all of a sudden I just had a flashback of, uh, I realized I knew this lady. I had known her. She was one of the first people I met when I moved to Dallas, but she was a lot heavier <laughs> when I met her and she wore her hair differently. And, um, you know, I said, gosh, I, you know, I don't really know how to say this, but I think you and I walked in a party together one day and, um, uh, did you used to wear your hair up in a bun and um, we're a little heavier? She's like, oh yeah, I was a lot heavier. <laughs> I was like 80 pounds heavier. Mm -hmm. I said, oh really? How did you do that? What, tell me, what did you do? And as time went on, I, I don't remember that she told me exactly what she did that day, but as time went on, she, she 12 stepped me and brought me into the program. And I will tell you, I was greatly relieved when I realized that, um, what I had was I had an eating disorder. It was called compulsive overeating. And it was a disease that would be progressive. And while I could never arrest my, um, I, I could never be cured, I could arrest it. And I could slow it down by working this program. Um, my abstinence, which I got really very quickly, I was, I was so ready. Um, I didn't eat refined sugar, white flour, and I drank no alcohol. And I did that for seven years. I had seven years, clean abstinence, um, went into uh, Al-Anon and left OA. Well, I thought that was a good idea. I don't know. But anyway, I, I did Beth. And um, I don't even remember what my trigger was. But one day I put it back in my mouth and it was like I'd never left it. Like I totally forgot everything I ever learned in, in OA. And I just went back out there and I practiced my disease for many, many years. Um, doing every kind of diet, every kind of crazy thing I did before I was doing again. And I was living in the disease. Um, this March 15th of 2021, 
I was driving home from work. I had eaten out of the vending machine all day. I got loaded on sugar because that was really my drug of choice. And I got in stop and go traffic and I fell asleep driving. And thank God, not I wasn't going fast. And I fell asleep driving and hit a concrete guardrail. Um, literally, needless to say, that woke me up. And um, I knew that that was God's wake up call to me. And I just said, I hear you. I'm, I'll be back in OA tomorrow. And the next morning I was back in a meeting and I got abstinent. Don't ever let anybody tell you, you can't get abstinent quickly. Cause believe me, you can't. And, but you know, when your back is against the wall, I mean, if you let yourself go to that point, it's not hard then believe me, because you know, it was going to be life and death. I may not be going slow the next time I fell asleep. So I'm very open with that because that is my story. It doesn't give me a great deal of pleasure to tell you that, but that happened and that's who I am. And today um, in six days, I will have six months of abstinence. I have been back. Um, I've got a sponsor. I'm working the steps and I go to a meeting, at least one meeting every day, because you know what? I eat every day and with Zoom, there's no excuse for me not going to a meeting. So thank you for letting me share my experience, strength and hope by the grace of God. I have abstinence today and I wish you the success and with your abstinence and your program that I have come to know and love people in here that have helped me. Thank you.